Uh, there's that principle that threefold cord is not quickly broken. And you can apply that to many different areas of your life, obviously, in anything. Uh, you know, one person uh, can get after a job and do it pretty well. Uh, when you add somebody else, it usually more than doubles the output. It, it, it accomplishes more than just what two people can accomplish because the two working together uh, encourage each other. They can do things faster. And so the principle of the threefold cord not quickly being broken is the strength that's found in a pair of three, that old example of a three-legged stool and how it just will not stand without that third leg. And having that third leg on there provides the strength that's needed. And so this can be applied in many different areas of our lives. Uh, you can look at getting that help and that strength uh, by adding some secondary cords in different areas if you're looking for it. He's using this and applying it to... Uh, a couple of areas here, but first of all, the family, the church, and government, and then inside of each of those things working together. So here he says, God's established only three institutions, the church, the church there, that's your first blank, the government, and the home. These three institutions provide protection and produce victory for every believer. You must learn to properly function within their structure. So this lesson, by and large, is just going to be talking about uh, the home and the church, uh, not in particular the government. But I want you to know that these three things, when they're working together in unity, make a very strong society. Uh, society begins to break down when these three things uh, for, um, slip away or drift away from God's plan, God's organized plan. And the further a family or the further a church or the further a society gets from God's plan, then uh, the more degradation is found uh, and the harder it is for that society to stand. And we certainly can see that in our society and uh, in societies that have ceased to exist through the ages. Um, but we've got to understand these three things working together bring uh, strength to a uh, group, to a family, to an individual uh, as this relationship is established. He, first of all, uh, begins to apply this to the home in the aspect of the uh, diagram he's given you there where the threefold cord is seen in the relationship between God and man and the wife. Those three working together. And when one part of that is left out, uh, obviously the family is weakened greatly. Uh, many husbands and wives may uh, in and of themselves be doing okay, but when they leave God out, the family is weakened. And obviously the, the implication or the application is the same if either one of the mates gets left out. And, and so the, the three working together is where the strength comes. The, in 1 Corinthians eleven three, there in, in your notes, he says, But I would uh, have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. These three working together. And then he references Ephesians 6, 1 through 6, and that is the passage on, on uh, you know, children obeying your parents and uh, Wives uh, submitting to their husbands and husbands loving and submitting to uh, God, loving their wives and submitting to God. And uh, very clear teaching there that's given to us. But he shows the example here in these, these next few uh, lines where he talks about God, father, mother, children. The, 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 we, we've got to be sure that God is in, its, in his right place. 
Uh, God is your final authority and you should submit to his will. God's way is always best. Now we know this in theory. We know that God should come first. We know that God should be our first uh, priority. What his will is and what he wants for us to do should be our first focus. We know that we should consider his desire and his will for us above and before anything else. But many times in our life, that is not the case. Many times we find ourselves in situations that we know we got ourselves into because we didn't consult God or didn't try and do something to please God. And then we, then we go to God and ask him, Lord, I need your help on this. I need your blessing with this. I need you to get me through this. Because we didn't really go to him. We didn't really consult him. We didn't consider him first. We just went and did what we wanted to do. And then we're like, oh man, now I need some help with this. So we know in theory that God should be first. And if you ask anybody here, every one of us would all say God first. If you say, well, show me your priority chart. And every one of us would put, okay, well, God should be first. And what I'm saying is we know that. And that would be our pat answer. But do we practice it in our lives? Do we really do it in our day-to-day living, consulting and considering him first? Then you have the father here. This is the, the husband. The father must submit to the will of God and follow it. He is responsible, yes, to be the leader of his own family, to be the head of the wife. And his primary responsibility in the home is to love his wife. And we know he's to love his wife like Christ loved the church. A pretty high standards for the, the love that we're supposed to have for our wives, the father. And then mother, the wife, the mother must be in submission to her husband, uh, supporting him, nurturing her children. And her primary responsibility is to help her husband. And then you have the children. The children, we know that they're to be obedient to their parents, to honor them. And their primary responsibility is to honor their parents uh, and seek wisdom. You know, the book of Proverbs uh, was written to the young man. And that is the book of wisdom. And that's what kids should be seeking for. But, you know, as we talk about this pattern and this example of the, the priorities and the structure and the organization of the way God established it. The, the thing is, is a lot of times um, most people want to be the exception to the rule. I, I have found that over the years that pretty much it's kind of a, an ongoing thing that by and large, everybody feels, well, I understand that God should be first and, and that I should consult him first, and this is what we should do, but, and they fill in the blank. Their situation is worse than anything else, and I could, I could follow the Lord like Zach does if I had Zach's situation, but I'm not in that situation. And so now I have to do, I have to deal, for, to use a worldly term, I have to, I have to you know, play with the cards I'm dealt. Well, Either way, we still consult God first. That's what we're supposed to do. But we all evaluate our situation and want to adjust what we do based off of our own situation. You know, uh, the, the husband. Well, I know that I'm supposed to love her like Christ loved the church, but you don't know the battle axe that I'm married to. You know, well, you married her. <laughs> uh, she's your wife. Just because of the the conflict you have or the situation that you're in does not change God's command. 
And, but, you know, again, we all look at it and say, well, we're, I know that that's the, the, like, this would be the best case scenario that we consult God first. I know the best case scenario would be that a husband loved his wife like Christ loved the church and that was the, that, that, that's the way it should be. But you don't understand, preacher, the situation I'm in. Or the wife. I know I'm supposed to follow him. But pastor, do you know in the dictionary, when you get to the eyes and you get to the word idiot, I think my husband's picture's right there. I think that is the description. And you're telling me I have to follow him? I mean, Pastor, really, if you've ever seen anybody do more dumb things, what I'm saying is every one of us can look at our situations and try and reevaluate. Oh, Pastor, I know I'm supposed to honor my father. I know I'm supposed to, you know, honor my mother and be obedient unto them. But my parents are way too strict. They're way overboard. They're beyond even reasonable expectations, preacher. Everybody wants to be the exception. You can look at it down through life. And and as a basic example, typically this is where we're at. Everybody wants to, uh, you know, they, they know in theory what God says. But when it comes to actually applying it to their life, they want to say, well, I understand that, but. So if we want to have the greatest uh, blessings of God, if we want to achieve the uh, greatest victories in our life, we, we can't make exceptions or make ourselves the exception to the rule. We need to follow and do what God's plan is for our lives. So he gives us here some suggestions to strengthen your home and to protect you from the influences of the world, the flesh, and the devil. As we're talking about putting our lives in order. So uh, he says here, husbands and wives should have a weekly date. A weekly date. Uh, A time to do something together. Uh, This is very good advice. I have to say that I have not adhered to that through my life. uh, Although Mary and I do spend time together. We don't necessarily do it every week. Uh, but, but setting that uh, is, is very good. The, the next one is even harder. That this uh, Do special things daily for your spouse. I thought, why did you have to put that word daily in there? Like, do things special for your spouse is very good. I, I like that. Yes, we need to do special things for our spouse. Amen. But then you put a restraint on there or a guideline like daily. Come on, (laughs) daily? I mean, let's be realistic. How about monthly? Let's do monthly. Let's do special things for our spouse, you know. Uh, He's talking here about how to strengthen your home. And if you're struggling or you have, or even if you're not struggling, if you you don't want to get to the point where you're struggling. So here's some things that you can do. Uh, You know, why is it that... uh, I mean, I don't know whether you like the term dating or not for people. There's, there's a big thing about whether it should be called something else uh, before people are married, you know, one way or the other. But here's, here's what I find that's, that's sad is a lot of couples that once they get married, they stop dating. They stop going out. They stop spending time together uh, in special ways. It's kind of like, well... You know, we're together all the time. But what I've told you before about living life on purpose, 
You've got to uh, have a plan and say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to uh, spend this time together. Uh, we're going to go out to dinner. I know we've got ramen at home, but we're going to have a special night. We're going to go out and we're going to sit down and, and just enjoy a meal together and talk and let somebody else make dinner and somebody else is going to clean up. We're just going to enjoy the time. So having a date time is very good. Uh, do special things daily for your spouse, just small things. Uh, you know, it's not uncommon for me to find a note in my briefcase. I mean, my wife will text me nice things, uh, but even beyond that, something handwritten, she'll stick it into my Bible, and uh, I'll find it the next morning. You know, uh, just something uh, special. Just, hey, let me grab you a cup of tea. What? You get me why do you want to get me tea? I just, you know, it, it's been so long since you've done something extra that they would be shocked. Um, you know, but do those small things. And then let me encourage you when your mate does that, don't respond that way. Don't respond like, what? Why do you want to do that? What's the occasion? Why? I mean, just enjoy it and say, wow, thank you. Man, that means a lot that you, that you want to do that for me. I appreciate showing some appreciation goes a long ways. Um, you know, it, it really, <laughs> it helps if you want it ever to happen again, you know, if, if you respond with a, what is that for? I mean, I, I, okay, I could get my own tea, but I guess if you want to, basically they're going to say, well, get your own tea then. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, you, you kind of did it to yourself. And so respond correctly and, and enjoy it and appreciate the effort that they're putting in. And uh, they're like, well, they never make my tea right anyway, you know. You know, some people can't be pleased no matter what, right? So be more pleasable would be a blessing to your mate, I'm sure. All right, so do special things for your spouse. Uh, conduct family Bible reading and prayer on a daily basis. The, the family that prays together stays together. And, uh, you know, just spending some time. It does not have to be a dissertation on, you know, Baptist theology, I mean, it can just be a simple time where you sit down and read a few verses. It can be uh, a, uh, you know, like sit down and read our daily bread. Just read the, that devotional for the day and then uh, talk and pray. It, it gives you a set time to, to be together every day and to focus and talk about spiritual things. So this is very good. Uh, attend church and Sunday school together every Sunday. Make a point to be in church. We're talking about strengthening your family. Could I tell you, put a priority on church, especially those that have young parents in the home. Young parents. Young parents that have young children in the home need to put a priority on church. I, I don't think there's people here, but through the years, there's been people in church that, I mean, they would never think about missing T-ball. That's, oh, we've got to get this done and get that done, and we've got to move all of our schedules around, mom and dad adjusting their week so that their kid can play t-ball. But to miss church, don't think anything of it. No problem. Oh, we're a little tired today. Got back late last night from vacation, or uh, just whatever. Does it, just whatever gets in the way, and all of a sudden church, church is out the window, and oh, we didn't make it to church today. Can I tell you, put a priority on church. We're talking about strengthening your family, strengthening your kids. Put a priority on church. Your kids will recognize the priority that you put. They'll see it uh, if, it's, if it's a big deal to you or not. 
attend church and Sunday school together every Sunday. Uh, find opportunities for the children to serve the Lord. Find opportunities. That's just not children. That's everybody. We're going to get to the adults here in a little bit. But find opportunities to serve the Lord together. There's always something that can be done. Uh, you know, if you have young kids, can I tell you one of the one of the most rewarding things that you can do, even for your kids, and, and as they get to be 7, 8, 9, 10, and especially those early teen years, they're not going to enjoy it as much uh, because they want to have their own lives. Uh, but take your kids and visit the shut-ins and elderly of Hunt Valley Baptist Church. That means so much. I mean, the pastor can stop by and say hello, and they'll say, hey, thanks for coming to see me, preacher. Uh, but you come by with a couple little kids, they'll talk about that for two weeks. Oh, so-and-so came by, and they had their two kids with them, and, and they sang a song. It was so pretty, and your kids may have been all out of tune and everything. It doesn't matter. They just love it that you came and that the kids talked to them, and, uh, you know, this is something that, that we did a lot growing up, and, and if I had to be honest, when I got a little bit older was not quite the toddler age when I was a little bit older I didn't enjoy necessarily except one lady there was one like grandma Stiebel we would go visit grandma Stiebel and she had a drawer in her kitchen that was full of candy and every time we went to see grandma Stiebel she would say oh do you want to get in the candy drawer I'm like that's why I'm here (laughs) that's the only reason I'm here you know that and she would open that drawer and I mean it was just like uh, Brock's festive. I mean, it was just Brock's candy in there like crazy and you could pick whatever you want. It was so much fun. Uh, But I still remember going and seeing and visiting some of the shut-ins in church as, as a young kid. Do that with your kids. Let them know it's an opportunity to minister to other people. And we just want to be a blessing to somebody else and to encourage them. And uh, there's other things that you can do together, just serving the Lord together, cleaning, uh, making visits, helping on the bus route as they get a little bit older. Maybe they can help serve on the bus route on Saturday or on Sunday bus. Um, Being part of Backyard Bible Club, that kind of stuff. There's opportunities for them. Teach and discipline your children. Talking about strengthening your home. Teach and discipline your children. Um, always, we've always had people uh, through the years, because we have five kids, we've been like, oh my goodness, five kids, how do you do it? Well, if you teach and discipline, it's really not that hard. They actually are a blessing instead of a burden. If I had five like yours, I might be pulling my hair out too. Uh, okay, uh, but you know, you just try and help them, say that you don't have to live that way. You don't have to let that three-year-old run your house. You, you can train him. You can uh, teach him. And let me encourage you parents to teach your children what you know, uh, the skills that you have. Uh, you know, you say, well, I don't have a lot of, you know, like let's say you don't, you, you don't work with wood. So I can't teach him how to build furniture or anything like that. Well, that's okay. What, do, what skill do you have? Do you know how to change a tire? Okay, then your kids should know how to change a tire. You should teach them. And your girls should know how to change a tire too. But teach, spend some time and teach them. If you're going to go out there and change a flat, your kids should be out there and they should be being shown and taught how do you do this? What do you need to watch for? And teach them these things. Uh, you know, when I was a drywall contractor for a number of years. And uh, at the time, we had another drywall contractor in the church, and he had two teenage boys, and neither one of them knew a thing about drywall. They, they, they could not 
go hang drywall if they, if they wanted to. And I didn't understand that. I mean, I'm not saying you got to take them and work them every day, although I think you should. But, uh, I mean, at least teach them how to do it. They ought to at least been around enough that they could, if dad got sick and had to go to the hospital, he could say, hey, boys, I need you to finish that job. And his teenage sons go finish that job. That they ought to be able to do that. What I'm saying is a lot of times parents are missing the boat. They're not teaching. They're not instructing their children and helping them. And so you want to teach them. And discipline. Discipline is very, very important. Uh, Pray daily for the salvation of your children. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. You've got to pray for the salvation of your children. Then we're talking about the church. The church is God's ordained New Testament method for carrying out his purpose. And it is built upon the apostles, the prophets, and Christ being the chief cornerstone. And that's Ephesians 2.20 there uh, in your notes. And uh, are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone cornerstone. The fact of the matter is, is because Christ is the chief cornerstone, he has given us a promise in his word that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That uh, even all of the devil and his angels and all that he wants to do to throw at the church, ultimately we know that God is going to be victorious and that he will not win over the church. The church is vitally important for the Christian and the Christian's victory and protection. The church functions like an umbrella. It functions like an umbrella. When you're out in the rain and it it starts pouring, you like to have an umbrella. It it protects you from that which is coming down. And the church functions as an umbrella for the Christian, for the believer, to provide some measure of protection against the onslaught and the attacks of Satan. The church is a community he's got here in this big blue section. The church is a community of believers that care for each other's needs. It provides a protection against the forces of evil and worldliness. You're a member of a body of believers in which every member has a particular gift that edifies the entire body. Your faithfulness and loyalty to your church provides protection, healing, and power to be victorious in your Christian life. And he gives here 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, um, just a couple of those verses uh, in 12, 12 through 14. He says, for as, as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body so also in Christ for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body whether we be Jew or Gentile whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink in one spirit so we have this uh, unity that should be found in the body of Christ as one body we're going to talk about that in the morning service a little bit further but God has given you the church to help you be victorious as a Christian so he talked about the home a little bit and some things to strengthen your home now he's going to talk about the church here uh, you should be scripturally baptized in your local church So Christians should be in their local church and scripturally baptized in their local church now you should be I want you to put a little arrow right here, and I want you to put active member of your church. Uh, Insert the word active there. Uh, You see, God did not save us just to sit. And it's not just about having our name on the roll somewhere. I received a letter this week from somebody that hasn't been to Hunt Valley Baptist Church since probably 2010. And they asked that their name be removed from the rolls of Hunt Valley Baptist Church. Um, they haven't been here. So I, I mean, I had to go back in records to even remember who they were. 
they only came here to the church here for about eight months or so. Uh, and uh, that was kind of hit and miss. And so I was like, who, wait, wait a minute, who is this? I'm like, remove, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't even know this person. How can there, uh, and I, but after some time, I, I looked, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember now. Okay, this is what, they, they haven't been to church in years and years. Now, we have a, in our constitution, it says if you haven't come to church in six months, you're, you're automatically removed from the rolls. Now, there's exceptions to that. We talked about that the other night as, uh, we uh, brought uh, Justin on uh, as a member and understanding that he's going to be away at college for nine months. And so you have that, or you might be on a deployment uh, for a year or different situations where this is still your church and you're coming back and that's understood. But if you just disappear, you just, you know, walk off the face of the earth and we're, we have no idea, you know, some people move away and don't even say anything. We go and we look and, and can't find them. Don't the people ask me, what happened to so-and-so? I'm like, I have no idea. No communication, no text, no phone calls. I have no idea. I tried to call and they didn't answer. Um, you know, I'm not sure. And so then we don't just leave them on the rolls. They don't just stay on the rolls of the church forever. Uh, the fact of the matter is it's not about just having your name on a roll. It's being an active member of that church, participating in the ministries, serving, being a part of the church. And that's what we want to do. Now, listen prayerfully to the preaching. Uh, ask God to speak to your heart. Ask God to stir you. Prayerfully ask God that he would do a work. And then apply the principles that you learned from the preaching. Apply them. Take them and apply them to your life. Do something with it. Don't just hear it. Uh, and we know we're not just to be hearers of the word, but doers also. And that takes application, application to our lives. Um. He kind of steps away here for a second, but uh, godly Christian music will enrich your spiritual life. Having godly Christian music in your, in your home as, as part of your Christian life is very, very important. Uh, people like to talk about how music is, is amoral as it's neither good nor bad, like we were talking about as far as money in and of itself a couple weeks ago. Uh, but the fact of the matter is music does have implications and you don't have to get very far or study very much to know that it does. That's why we protect or guard the music of Hunt Valley Baptist Church very carefully, strive to make sure that the music here in the service is preparing our hearts, drawing us into the presence of God, bringing us to a place where we can meet with God. That music ministers to our soul. It ministers to your spirit. Some people, they really love the the uh, music ministry of the church. They, they get a lot out of it. And that music really feeds them. It speaks to them. And that's what music does. That's what it's supposed to do. Um, I remember Daryl Champlin, a missionary to Suriname, West Africa, talking about how in West Africa, uh, there the witch doctor uh, in the community where he was living, he was in a battle for the souls of these men with the witch doctor. And I don't have time to go into the whole story but anyways, they would get in the evening, they would get their drums out and begin to beat their drums and they would start this, this music uh, up and they'd be playing this music. And after a couple of hours of this, of this music and these drums being be beaten, the, the, they would start to uh, engage in uh, different things as the witch doctor. And ultimately, they would begin dancing on hot coals uh, in front of men to show the power of Satan and how they could walk and dance on these hot coals and not get burned. And they use music in all kinds of ceremonies and it's with an intent. The goal there is to bring their spirit to a place where they're in connection with the spirits. 
that music was used to bring them to that place. So music has uh, a strong impact, and you want to be sure you're listening to the right kind, because the wrong kind will hurt you. Uh, when you face trials, the church is a place that you must go for help. The church is a place you must go for help. Beloved, could I encourage you to build relationships in the church? Build relationships in the church. Now, this takes effort. This takes time. It's not easy to talk to people that you don't know. You, you look down the aisle and, you know, some of you uh, maybe uh, don't know Miss Alanansi that, that well. And so you can see her here at church and say, hey, hello, good to see you. Uh, all great. Have, have a good week. But you haven't built a relationship. It takes time to build a relationship. And so then you go and you start talking to her a little deeper start to learn a little bit about her, and then after a minute or two, you're like me, and you're standing there, you're like, okay, what do I say now? How do I, how do I talk to her? Oh, oh, well, we'll see you. And, and you walk away. It takes extra effort to build a relationship, to, to show interest in somebody's life, to, to take time, oh, hey, let's go out to dinner together. Hey, why don't you come over to my house? Why don't we spend some time together? Why? So you can build that relationship. What I'm saying is what he talked about here, the idea of when trials come, you've got the church family here that it's a place that you go for help. But by and large, that's going to be based off the relationships that you've built. But just because you attend a church and come through the doors and, and sit in a pew doesn't mean you're building relationships. It takes time. You've got to stop by and talk to people you got to call people up. you got to check on them. you got to find out what's going on in their life. you got to pray for one another. Building a relationship takes some effort. And I want to encourage you to be doing that in the house of God with God's family. God's family should be your friends. People that you talk to. The people you call up. The people you engage with. The people that you want to uh, spend time with. That you want to, hey, uh, what, what day's coming up? Labor, Memorial Day. I always get them mixed up. Which, which. Memorial Day's coming up, right? No, see, it's Labor Day is coming up. I told you I always get them mixed up. Um, Labor Day is coming up, and we're going to be free for the day. I know it's more comfortable to just spend the day at home by yourself or with family. But here's an opportunity. Hey, I'm going to build a relationship. I'm going to have so-and-so over to my house. We're going to spend a few hours together. And that means you got to clean the house. And that means you got to get food, extra food. That means you got to, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of extra work to have somebody over. But you're building a relationship. And it's worth investing in people. So I would encourage you to do that. Uh, seek godly counsel when it's needed. Seek godly counsel when it's needed. Obviously, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. And I'm not spe speaking, I mean, I'm here and I'm glad to help you where I can. But I want to encourage you, even in the church here, when you got a decision that you want to make, there's many people that have different skills, different abilities, and they can help you to make a wise decision. If you want to go buy a car, there's guys in our church here that have great knowledge about cars. They could save you from buying a lemon. They may tell you, listen, don't touch one of those cars. That car has notoriously been uh, uh, just a, a lemon from the start. Don't buy those. And you wouldn't have even known that. Seeking some counsel from people that know uh, that, that have your best interests at heart. You know, you want to go buy a house, there's people that you can talk to. 
uh, getting some godly counsel, checking on, well, do you have the capacity or the ability to buy a house? I mean, financially, are you able to do I'm, I'm not saying, will the bank give you a loan? There's, there's a difference. Uh, we were driving around, and what, what kind of car was it that you said, oh, I want one of those? Was it, was it you who was driving? You said something about a car that we, were, we saw. No, no, it was a really fancy car. I don't know what it was, but um, I, 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 huh, do you guys remember? The Corvettes, the hotel we were in, there was a Corvette convention. There's like 50 Corvettes there. Um, and so, uh, anyways, they were all looking at all of them, you know, and, uh, anyways, they, uh, I don't remember if that was it, but anyways, I said, well, they'll sell you one. You can go to a dealership and pick one up right now. It was you. Cause I said, yeah, I said, I said, with the money you have right now, you could go get, they'll give you a car and you just start making payments on it, you know, but that doesn't mean you can afford that car. It just means that they're, they're willing to, to take a risk on you and hope that they can get whatever money they can out of you and then they'll come and get the car back in, in a year or whenever you can stop making payments, you know. So just because you can, the, the, the bank or the car dealer will give you the money to get the car doesn't mean you can afford it. And you ought to seek some counsel and get some wisdom on things in your life so that you don't keep from making foolish mistakes. You could learn by letting somebody else help you, or you can learn the hard way, right? Uh, the church should be a place uh, to be enriched, encouraged. It is a place of refuge, a place of refuge. I've, heard, I've had people tell me this, just, oh, it is so nice to come in and sit down in church, and it's just, it's, oh, it's like the weight of the world falls off, and I can just relax for a little bit, and, and I'm just encouraged and strengthened, and it's just... It's, it's like a, a breath of fresh air coming in God's house. And that's what, that's what the church house should be, is a place of refuge for us. Pray for and support the ministries of your church. Uh, some of the ministries he has listed there, of course, we know we got this from Brother Townsley. And, and so these are not necessarily all things that we have, like in the list... The Christian school, obviously, we have the homeschool co-op, uh, and we have ministries that aren't on here, like the Baltimore Rescue Mission uh, or Backyard Bible Club or, or different things. But the ministries of the church here, uh, you want to be praying for and supporting. Um, you will be able to go forward in power to face the world, the flesh, and the devil if you have these things. Try and strive to become a blessing to your church. Be faithful in attendance. Attend all of the services, including Sunday school including Sunday school. Um, victorious Christians center their lives around the church. I've been in the ministry. I've been in church my whole life. You guys know that. But I've also been in the ministry now since 1999. And I have seen victorious Christians and victorious Christians center their lives around the church. Other things get planned around the church schedule. We, this is church is the priority. God's house is a priority. And we we build our calendar, our home, our, our whatever else we're doing around the church. Successful Christians, I've seen it over and over and over again, are people that put God first. Seek first, the, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The church and God shouldn't be secondary, or if I can fit it in, it ought to be a priority. Edify others by your life and service. Edify others by your life and service, by what you're doing. Support the church financially. 
Pray for members that are in need. We have a church prayer list. There's a few copies on the, on the uh, stand out there that you can take when you leave today. Just praying for the needs of the church family. We've got that list there so that you can pray for it. Occasionally, uh, uh, church prayer chain will go out. Somebody has a current uh, pressing need and it'll go out on e- via email to the church family. Hey, pray for these things. Just, let me encourage you, just pause and pray for that right then if, you, if at all possible. Uh, just say, Lord, this is something that's on the, this. We need you to do something here. Uh, this is the prayer request. This is what's happening. Lord, please, we're asking you as a church, as a family, as your, as your children, we need you to do something and stop and pray for that need because there's usually time-sensitive and very important things that go out on the prayer chain. Um, then work from under the authority of the church, uh, just functioning and working underneath the authority of the church. Uh, and that's because this is God's ordained institution for fulfilling the Great Commission here in this world. And we want to do that. Uh, learn to support your pastor. He's got several things here. Let me give you these quickly. Know the needs of your pastor. Pray for your pastor and his family. Defend your pastor. Defend your pastor. Uh, let me encourage you to do that. Listen, this is a hard, hard point for me, just the whole point here. I wish we could just take it off. Uh, it's hard for me to even talk about. But I want you to know, let me just encourage you. Sometimes people will come to me and they say, Pastor, uh, and I'm just going to make this up, but they'll say something like, Pastor, I just want to let you know that uh, Brother Zach believes that you're lazy and that you just sit around and don't, don't actually serve God with your time. And, and he told me that last week, and I'm just letting you know that's how he feels. And then I say, well, just, just a minute. Let me just ask, did you take that opportunity to tell him that that wasn't the case? Oh, well, no, that's not my place. I was just letting you know that he feels that way. Well, wait, wait a minute. Are you in agreement with him? Do you believe that I'm lazy and that I don't work and that... Uh, well, well, no, I don't agree with that. Well, well, why wouldn't you tell him that? I mean, I could go to the individual and say, listen, I, I don't. But y- your words are going to be multitudes greater than anything that I say. And you, you could say, listen, I've known Pastor for 10 years or whatever. And if there's anything that Pastor Caleb is, it's not lazy. He might not be that smart, but he's, he's a hard worker. <laughs> I know that. Whatever it is, you know, you just, I'm just saying, just take that opportunity. It's there. They've, come to you, they've presented something to you. You can take that opportunity and say, listen, I, I don't think that's the case. Why don't we go talk to pastor about it? Take, take the opportunity to defend your pastor. Uh, and, and unless you agree with them, and if, they, if you agree with them and there's something that I need to change, then come and talk to me about it. Because I, I will look at it and evaluate it and say, listen, if I need to adjust, I, I will, by God's grace, strive and try to adjust, to, to, to make a change. If there's several people that have f- feel that something is incorrect, that, that needs to be adjusted, then something I'm doing has led people to think that. And maybe I need to adjust and I need to make a change. And I, I by God's grace, will strive to do so. But you want to try and, and defend your pastor. I would just encourage you. That would mean a lot to me. Uh, help your pastor when needed. Heed your pastor's counsel. Okay? He gives you a godly counsel. Uh, the goal here is to heed it. All right. Now, I'm going to give you these last things so we can finish up. But I gotta, I'm not going to be able to talk about it. We're talking about Christian fellowship. These are things that we've dealt with in the church. I taught a whole lesson on the one and others that are found in the scriptures. 
and there's a book in the bookstore, a little short two, three dollar book on the one another's. You can get those and do it for your devotions or something. But uh, pray for one another in James 5.16. Pray for one another. Edify and build up and strengthen one another. These are all scripture verses uh, that we're supposed to be doing for one another. Exhort and challenge one another spiritually. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens. Be subject to one another and humble. Uh, that's a hard thing to do, being subject to one another. Receive one another, being willing to forgive. Romans 15.7 there. Be willing to forgive. Uh, be truthful to one another. God has a place for you. Where do you fit in into your local church? The example there of a puzzle. Getting fit in. And I believe the Bible describes a church as a, as a uh, place that's fitly joined together by God. He puts the church together. And so there has to be a place that you fit in to God's family and God has a purpose for you. The last page is just a, re a review, something for you to be able to do on your own and evaluate where you're at. Well, we had to kind of run through that, but uh, we did accomplish it in one, in one lesson. Uh, so next week we will be moving.